0: Already, I can feel the judgment of people weighing down upon my shoulders. For years, I had been living in silence until recently. You see, at the age of 17, I left my family, friends, everything in my life to follow God. It all seemed like a dream come true, since I had the pure intentions of serving the church and perhaps one day to become a priest. Everything was great until it all came crashing down. I had just turned 17 in the year 2004 when one of the priests from a certain religious order told me, I think God is calling you to follow him and to become a priest. You should join. He looked at me with so much conviction as if God had told him that I was being called into the religious life. Without missing a beat, I said, yes. And followed. I felt like an apostle leaving his family to follow Jesus. I left Los Angeles and was first sent to Dover, Delaware where I stayed my first year. There were several others who joined me in Delaware. We were all the newest members of this religious congregation and had to learn the ins and outs of what it meant to be living a holy lifestyle. First thing we were immersed in was a strict prayer life and chores. We would wake up very early and start our prayers. A part of our prayer life was to wake up early in the morning, pray a rosary, sing praise and worship, have time for journal writing where we could write down our meditations, chanting of the Psalms, and Mass. Occasionally, I will start nodding off and sleep during prayers. Sleeping during prayers was obviously frowned upon. I was used to getting eight hours of sleep and wasn't used to this early rising thing. One particular religious brother was very moody about it and scolded me with fire and brimstone. Wake up! Look at yourself and how sleepy you are! That's a sign that you are impure and proud. Now let me see your journal. This dude loved to yell and belittle people. I had no joy, no confidence, no peace. I felt as if I had been getting erased and that my attempts to holiness were all pathetic. The humiliation I felt when he snatched my journal which was very personal to me, hit me at the center of my heart. He began reading my journal out loud and I couldn't do anything about it because he was the superior at that time. All that I could do was to remain silent and let him humiliate me. He flipped through the pages and read aloud entries I had written down, opening my heart up to God. What I wanted to be part of my personal relationship with God was out in the open, and I felt terrible. I thought my journal would be respected, that I would be respected, but things didn't happen that way. The chapel felt very dark and cold that day. All I could really do was to offer up my trials, but I had no idea what to do about my situation. It was rough getting yelled at all the time, but I knew where my heart was. I was there to follow Christ and to give my best. Being sleepy didn't bother me. I was a fighter. What did bother me was having superiors who lorded over me like I was a slave and would look for my imperfections to put me down instead of helping me grow closer to God. As months went by, I started loving and embracing the simplicity and the prayer life of our little community. I grew to really cherish the brotherhood there and was able to see that not all of my brothers there were self-righteous bullies. They were people there in the religious life whom I could depend on to keep me going when I was feeling down. There were demons there, but... There were many angels in religious life as well. Another part of the religious life that I enjoyed was assisting at the parish during Mass as a server, a lector, or by leading the people in hymns during Mass. We would then pray with the people at their homes, and that was just awesome. For the first few years, life was pretty good. And I felt very close to God, close to the people in my religious community, and to the people whom I would meet during missions. I felt a closeness and love for everyone and from everyone, except from some superiors from the community, as well as a hatred which came from some sisters or nuns in our community. Despite these red flags, I decided to continue with this religious order so that I could get closer to God. I didn't know how to leave this place and was scared to leave. I had no idea that my decision to stay would lead me onto a road of isolation, anger, pain and despair. On the road of darkness and light. For this part of the story, I will skip over years of my service where I was sent to the Philippines and then back to Delaware. During these years, I gave my absolute best to be the best religious I could be. I tried to prove to the elders in the religious community that I was giving my all in the evangelical counsels of chastity, poverty, and obedience. Something had been bothering me though, a loud voice In the back of my head, perhaps it was my conscience, was telling me that I should start thinking about leaving this place. I silenced those thoughts immediately because others had told me that those thoughts were from the devil. I was living in fear. It was around the end of 2009 when I was sent back to the US to stay again in Dover, Delaware. I was so excited. Because I had been told that I was going to be a full time missionary. This is what I had been working on for so many years, and finally, my dreams were coming true. I didn't have to be a priest, I just wanted to pray and serve the people of God. As soon as I arrived to the mission house in Delaware, I was told where my mission would be to stay at home and to take care of the newest members. My mouth dropped. What? I've been wanting to be a missionary, and all you want me to do is to stay at home? Okay. If that's my obedience, then I'll do it. I obeyed the decision of my superiors, but I was definitely bothered by this. I had trained for this. Being a missionary was one of the main reasons why I decided to sign up and join the brothers in the first place. Oh well, things didn't happen that way. A year had passed, and the only mission I did was once a month doing a prayer meeting in Delaware. I felt so sad as I would see the other brothers and priests coming and going from different cities, states, and countries almost on a regular basis i had an itch to travel my whole life signed up in a religious community that had a missionary lifestyle but i was staying at the formation house on a farm in dover delaware i was beginning to feel a bit cheated by these people but i didn't i didn't know what to do Then the main superior of the group came and had Mass with us. During the homily, he told us that we were going to be making our vows. I don't know if he told the other brothers before Mass started, but this was the first time I heard of making my vows again to live a life of chastity, poverty, and obedience for three more years. I was beginning to feel lost. What could I do? It was like a forced marriage. Like a shotgun marriage. I would ask later if I would ever get the chance to go on actual missions in Europe or Latin America. I didn't get an answer. So, I continued to obey and hold on to my sanity. Part of me felt That I was serving God, which felt like a light in my life, but there was also darkness. There was more darkness to come. 24 7. Years had passed since I entered this religious order, and I was still holding on to hope. But this is when I started to open my eyes to the fact that the hope I had been holding on to was slipping away. The name of this section is 24-7 because the founder of this order made a command for all mission houses to start up a chapel where at least one person will be in prayer all day, every day, 24-7. We would have shifts to take turns praying in silence in this chapel. I loved it. Spending time in silence and prayer, meditating, nothing wrong with that. But then these people started to use this as a weapon. At this point of my religious journey, I was getting tired of remaining silent when I saw flaws in superiors. They loved to point out my weaknesses and to look for the bad in everyone else but themselves. It was time for me to be bold and start pointing out their mistakes and failures as well. I went overboard with it and at times became a jerk to some of my brothers and sisters. And if you're listening, you know, I apologize. But my superiors, some of them, not all, had pushed me past my limit of being a silent follower. And they deserved to hear the truth without sugarcoating. This one particular superior did not like it. And found a cheap way to get revenge. This is how it went down. It was at the end of morning prayer when the superior of the community would give the schedule and obediences of the day. We would call this the flow of grace or FOG for short. This is what he said After this, two brothers will go cook breakfast. You, you, you go you will be doing chores in the house. you, you will be doing outside chores. He then put his eyes down as if thinking carefully for what he was about to say. He paused for a moment in silence and then he lifted he lifted his head up with energy saying, "I have a special announcement to make. Yesterday, brother Joseph, I was called Brother Joseph at that time. Brother Joseph came up to me and said, Father, I would like to offer myself as full-time prayer warrior to be praying in the 24-7 chapel. I understand our missionaries have a hard time finding time in their busy schedules to do this, so I offer myself as a substitute for all the missionaries. I want to stay there and pray for them. Well, Brother Joseph, I accept your offer to be a full-time prayer adorer, full-time prayer warrior. My mouth dropped. I love praying, but never did I approach him to request this. I wanted to be a missionary. I wanted to be with people to learn from them, to pray with them, to cry and laugh with them. Him saying that I requested to do this was a flat-out lie. I just took my vows for three more years, so I couldn't just disobey. I had to obey, but it was all so deceptive and forced. I didn't know what to do. We would wake up at 12.45 a.m., yes, a.m., in the morning, to get ready for prayers together at 1.30 a.m., followed by Mass. After that, everyone would leave the chapel except for me. I had to stay in prayer from 1.30 a.m. until 9 p.m., unless someone came to relieve me and shoot sometimes i'd be there until 10 p.m. i mean yeah it was it was rough i mean it was nice praying but man I, they forgot about me sometimes and i'd be i'd be in there for a while but a good few a few good brothers would come bring me food and leave it on the table outside the chapel which should have been something beautiful prayer and meditation was becoming a pain and isolation. I could hear the other members when they had meals together. I could hear their laughter and joy. I could hear when they would go play basketball. I could hear when they had social gatherings. But there I stayed in silence and confusion. I wanted to follow Jesus, but I was feeling so lost. I felt despair depression, darkness. I'm going to end it here for now. Uh, I'll be working on publishing more of my thoughts, experiences, and emotions from my life, as well as posting other stories uh, and perhaps interviews that I will be having with people. And to be clear, I'm not trying to persuade anyone to prevent them from following God. I'm simply sharing my experience on there are a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing, and hey, I hope you learn from my experience and you are able to be a bit more uh, aware and not fall into their traps. If you are going to follow God, you know cool. And I'm trying to do so too. maybe not in the same way as before, but make sure that you don't that you don't get brainwashed, and end up following a cultish type of group. Perhaps I'll talk a bit more about brainwashing and cult practices in a future blog or podcast. Um, But for now, that's a wrap. Uh, Be blessed, y'all. Feel free to comment or keep in touch. And thank you for listening to this podcast. Peace.